You are an entrepreneur, a professional, a speaker, or a coach. And although you've come a long way, it's time for you to take it to the next level. We've got you. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. We'll help you use authority and influencer marketing to build your business stronger and faster by publishing a book. You'll hear from guests that are thought leaders in sales, marketing, networking, communication, social media, promotion, and business leadership. Let's do it. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. And now your host, the extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder. Welcome to the Author to Authority Podcast. And today we're going to talk about branding but we're going to talk about it from a unique perspective, because if you are a solopreneur or a consultant, a professional, you are still the CEO of your company and you need to think of branding in that way. Amanda, welcome to the show. Amanda is a brand strategist and designer that partners with serial entrepreneurs, freedom seekers and multi-passionate empire builders, love that, delicious words, to craft branding that feels right, works hard and looks awesome. She brings a holistic structured approach to branding that helps you make your next level of business the best one yet. And she has over 17 years of experience across a wide range of industries and clientele. Welcome to the show, Amanda. Thank you so much for having me, Kim. So I always love getting into it right away. So let me just ask you straight out, like, why do you need to approach branding like a CEO? Yes. So to sum it up, basically, like the only way your business will grow to the next level beyond you to scale ever is you have to think of it as its own entity right? It's not just you, even if you're a solopreneur or service provider or consultant, like you said, you have to think of it as its own creature. And the way to do that is to approach it like a CEO. Okay. Instead of saying, what do I want to do? I mean, that's still part of it because you're steering the business. You kind of shift your frame set to what is good for my business. What is the direction I want for my business? And so, you know, the first step with that is being intentional, like actually sitting down and thinking about some of this. Cause I know so many people when they get into business, even if they're several years in and like running a team and everything, you know, they're so busy in the day to day, just trying to get that business up and running, keep it running, handing off things that come up, like just get this done so we can get it out kind of frantic, mm-hmm. you know, existence, but they don't necessarily stop and take the time to think what, what is it that I'm actually building here? You know, like what, yeah. what is this business that, you know, that I'm trying to build, Uh, you know, other than just, I need a way to make money (laughs) and this is my business and that's what I'm doing. But like, what is the, the long-term goal? What is the vision for it? Um, And I feel a lot of people just kind of skip over that step just in, in the logistics of getting a business up and running. But once you do that, once you sit down and like figure out what it is you want this business to be, that's actually so clarifying because then, you know, when you come to decisions in your business, whether it's design direction, messaging and copy, uh, partnerships or opportunities that come up, publicity opportunities or things like that. You have some guidelines. You can say, okay, does this fit with the -hmm. vision I wanted for my company? Is this a good client given what I said I wanted to build? Is this a good service I should explore offering based on what I said I wanted to build? Is this ad or blog post or email or whatever I'm putting out? Is that communicating in a way that supports 
the business I want to build. So it's about, you know, being intentional with shaping it. And then the other part of it, which I know is really hard for sol solopreneurs, is to put some distance. Like I said before, you know, it's not only based on your own personal preferences, basically. Like if your favorite color is orange, that's great. It doesn't necessarily mean it's the best fit for your business. So it's taking a more strategic approach to it. You know, saying, does this work for the industry I'm in? Does it work for the clientele I want to serve? Does it work for the vibe I want to give off? Instead of just like, oh, well, this is my favorite color. I like this font. It looks good. And, you know, throwing it up. I know a lot of people do that starting off and that's fine. But like when you're ready to kind of up level, to be more strategic mm -hmm. and intentional about it, you got to put some distance between your, yourself as a person and your business as its own thing that is growing. Wow, you just, you unpacked a lot there in that <laughs> very short space of time. You know, one of the things that I, I think of and in, in, in terms of branding is it's not only just about the colors and the logo and everything else. You talked about, you know, the brand and, you know, what the company stands for. And I think, you know, we, entrepreneurs think they don't have time to brand. But I have found that when you take the time to brand properly, you know, and that includes marketing, sales, like it's all of these things, right? Mm -hmm. It actually helps you build your business faster. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like once you have that clear brand, those guidelines of like, this is what my business is. This is what it's not. You don't have to filter through so many options. It just eliminates some options completely. So mm -hmm. it kind of streamlines things. And I want to kind of caveat off of something you said, like, I don't have time to brand. Well, you have a brand, whether you're yes. one actively building it or not, because a brand, you know, essentially is the impression that people have of your business. So if you're not intentionally, strategically shaping that, you're kind of missing out on some big opportunities. Well, and the thing is, is that if you're not intentionally shaping it, you have no idea what people are thinking about your business. Yes whether good or bad. And exactly. It yeah. It, and it, and if, you know, if your brand is a hodgepodge mishmash, yeah, they could just be confused, which is not, not the feeling you want to inspire in clients and potential clients. So the other thing I found too, is that when you are well branded, it gives off that professional feel, you know, this is the author to authority podcast. So we talk about, you know, being that authority so if you want to be seen as that authority, you have to look like an authority. Yes. And, you know, having that brand design is, uh, is a part of that, is a part of it. Now, I mean, there's always also other pieces like, you know, not only do you have to look it, but you have to speak you it. You have to back have it up. To yeah. Communicate yeah, it yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's, there's other things. But, you know, if someone goes to your website and you've used this template, this Miss Podge template, you know, that's not going to give a professional uh, yeah. feeling. Whereas if you have, you know, a well-designed brand, you know who your target market is, because that's, that's part of the branding. It's part mm -hmm. of the marketing. I mean, you know, all of these things you're talking about aren't just branding. It, it's part of the foundation of the business. Yeah. It affects your marketing and affects your sales you know, it affects your content, it affects your social media. So, you know, having, to the this, choir here. <laughs> yeah, having this strong brand or, you know, 
your marketing setup or whatever term you want to use, because there's lots of different terms for it. There's overlap. Yeah. Yeah. You know, these things are foundational pieces. The way I describe it is, is, you know, if you have to, because you're trying to market to everyone or brand to everyone or talk to everyone, you know, if you have to talk to a hundred people to get that one really good client, well, when you're branded, you may only have to talk to five, maybe 10 people to find that really good client. So you, ultimately, you build your business faster because you basically get rid of all of the people <laughs> they, they, who are not um, your perfect target market. Yeah, they self-filter out. It filters out the ones you don't want to work with. But yeah, back to what you said uh, a little bit ago, like having that professional brand or having, you know an actual brand gives you that professional look, I think in part because it shows that you care about your business, shows you put time and effort into it. And so that I think unconsciously carries over into potential clients' minds saying, okay, well, they can take care. They've ta they're taking care of their own business really well. I bet they'll take care of mine too. So yeah. I think that's an aspect of it that people don't necessarily think about. It shows, it shows that you're invested in it and shows that you're serious mm -hmm. and that you are willing to put time and effort into it. And I think the other thing, too, is when you are well-branded and you really know who your target market is, then everything you do really speaks to them mm -hmm. and it attracts them. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you want to be one thing I've been thinking about a lot lately is if you want to be seen as a thought leader, you know, some of the best thought leaders that I've I've learned from or, you know, watched or heard or they spent more time explaining my problem to me and diving deep and actually getting down to the real true problem. And yeah, they provided some of the solution for it. Be honest, once I really knew what the problem was, that was the aha moment. The solution wasn't the aha moment. It was, it was the fact that this person understood who I was and what I was going through. Mm -hmm. I could finally explain my real problem. Yes, yes, that is a big component of it. And that's, that's where like the brand strategy side of things come in. Because if you understand where the gaps are in, in your brand or in your target market or any of that, like you can strategize on how to, to fix that. You can strategize on how to be intentional about making sure people understand that. Uh, so yeah, absolutely agree with what you said. <laughs> and, and there was something that you said there that I just, I just want to highlight for a second is, you know, many times you can't figure these things out on your own. I just spent, you know, this is being aired in December. I just spent all the whole summer in the fall working with specialists to help me develop a new things audience. And the ad that you'll listen to in a moment will share one of the new things for you. But I just spent, you know, the summer working with three, actually four specialists to help determine some things in my business because I could not see the forest for the trees. Yes. Sometimes we are too close to it ourselves. And you know, like, you, if it's not your area, you know, you don't necessarily know what questions ask to get you to the clarity. My problem was, is I actually knew, I mean, I've studied marketing and sales and funnels and everything for probably, you know, at least good 10, 15 years. But when you have to apply it to your own business, there's a difference. It is so hard to do the things we do for our own businesses. <laughs> yeah, I know that I relate to that. <laughs> 
So we are going to take a quick 15 to 17 second break here, and I'm going to be sharing it with you one of the free resources that is going to help you create and scale your book that turns readers into clients and will help you to accelerate your business faster. One of the keys to becoming an author is hiring the right publisher. It's the difference between having a book that converts readers into clients and one that sits unused on a shelf. Check out seven questions to ask before hiring a publisher. Get it free at authortoauthority.com slash publisher. Welcome back, Amanda. I've been loving this conversation. I would love to shift gears a little bit here and just highlight you a little bit more. Can you share more? Like, how did you, you know, become a brand designer and strategist? Yeah. Well, if you'd asked me 20 years ago, if this is what I would be doing, I would not have guessed it. Me neither. Yeah, right. Um, So I have been, I've had my fingers in the creative arts for like as long as I can remember, like way back to childhood. And then computers came on the scene when I was in middle school. And in high school, my my art teacher introduced me to Photoshop and that kind of like blew my mind wide open. I was like, I can do like art stuff and computer stuff at the same time. And it's called design. And this is like a thing I can do. So then it, my path was kind of set from there. I went to, to college for design. That's what my degree is in. Um, and when I graduated, I intended to get you know a job in-house somewhere at an agency, something like that. I, the thought of being independent, self-employed, owning my own business had never crossed my mind. <laughs> like zero business training or know-how. But I moved from Ohio at the time for college. And I moved down to Austin and I was doing the job search thing. And I had a friend that was a freelance web developer at the time. And he's like, well, why don't you just take on some freelance design gigs just to have some income while yeah. you're doing the job search? So I did that off of Craigslist back in the day. <laughs> and those ended up working out so well, like they became repeat clients. And I was like, I don't have to commit anywhere. I can just like I walk like five steps from my kitchen. Like <laughs> I just kind of loved the freedom and flexibility of it. And I was like, I'm just going to do this. <laughs> so I kind of dove into that. Um, and when I, when I talk about making that shift from, you know, just having a business to like really thinking of it with a CEO mindset, I had to go through that myself. Cause like for the first several years of me being a freelancer, it was kind of just taking whatever came my way. Didn't really have like, a niche yeah. or an ideal client or anything like that. And eventually I got sick of that. <laughs> yeah, I did, there, I did that. Yeah. And I was also getting married. So my name was changing. So I kind of used that as the kick in the butt to like put on my CEO pants, my big girl pants and like treat this like actual business. So that's how Studio Gracia was born. Um, and that was in 2015. And since then, I've been specializing in branding because I've seen how powerful it can be, how much it helps my clients. It's what I love to do and what I'm good at. So that is just what has been my focus, just trying all sorts of things and realizing like, this is this is what I like. So. I love it. You know, what you just said there, trying all these things and seeing what you like, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes... Sometimes I think as entrepreneurs, we're given the the false impression that the first business has to be the one that actually works. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No. I Um, mean, what is entrepreneurship if not just like one big experiment, right? mm -hmm. See see what works, see what you like, see what takes off. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, And the thing is, is like, you know, I was in, 
I did several businesses over the years before I got into publishing. I was in network marketing for quite a few of those years and a few different companies there. And, you know, I don't see any of those as failures, even though I never really was able to do much with those. But each one taught me something that prepared me for when I started RTI publishing. Mm -hmm. And I can look back and, you know, I can actually won't take the time for the show, but I can actually look back and say, okay, here was a change point. Here was a change Mm -hmm. point. Here was something that, you know, radically changed my mindset, my point of view. And then even, you know, the, the last eight years since I started ghostwriting in 2015, just to earn some extra money, even through that, I can walk you through step by step through some of the stages that I've gone through you know, that has brought me to where I I am today. And as much as the journey hasn't always been very fun, (laughs) I tell you that end of last quarter of 2019 going into 2020 was not a fun time for me. Actually, I was debating whether I closed the business because I hit, you know, I hit Christmas. I had just enough money in the bank to pay my freelancers and give them a small Christmas bonus. And I had nothing left in the business. And I had no sales coming in in January. It's been one of those years. And, you know, really thankful to God because he just said, Kim, just have hope. 2020 is going to be better. Now, I know for me. <laughs> the pandemic hit. <laughs> uh, Sorry. <laughs> the funny thing about 2020 was, was that, you know, I have a 90-day sales cycle. So generally from the time I start generating leads, it takes about 90 days before I really start to see, you know, business coming in. So I went into 2020, January. Okay, it's going to take me about three months. You know, thankfully, my husband worked. He had a really decent job. So, you know, it wasn't like we were going to lose the house or, you know, I was going to end up on the streets or there wasn't going to be food in the house, you know. But there wasn't a lot of money for anything else. (laughs) Okay, because that's what my business brought in the money for the extra things. But I was like, okay. And then March hit. And I was starting to see a little bit of business coming in. But by April, you know, when everything shut down, all of a sudden my business exploded. Why? Because one of the reasons why people didn't do books is because they didn't have time. Now (laughs) they're locked down with nothing else to do. And my phone's ringing off the hook going, Kim, I'm ready to do my book now. It's so funny you saying that. I know like some industries were hit really hard with the pandemic, like photographer, friends, restaurants, obviously that kind of thing. But like I had experienced the same thing. My business had a big boom in 2020 or 2020 and 2021 because everything was shut down and people realized, oh, how I present myself online <laughs> is really important. I should maybe <laughs> actually have some branding or have a website <laughs> that I'm not embarrassed to send people to and like all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I understand that I had the same thing. You know, it's funny because it just, you know, for some people, you know, it was so horrible. But because of what I went through in 2019, I actually could actually, in a sense, minister or or have empathy for those who were going through it. Because, you know, December 25th, I was sitting with an empty bank account, right? So I understood where people were. and And I think all of these experiences just make for what I do now even more effective. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I mean, that's the whole point like of of learning from 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 your life as you go, right? It's not yeah. Even things that are classified as a failure is like, well, what did you learn? Like how did it get you even with that, would you be on the path you are now 
without that, you know, like yeah. as a purpose. So we got about 10 minutes left, Amanda, okay. and I'd love to give you an opportunity to let you loose. And I know you've come prepared with, you know, we've took a general overview about, you know, branding as a CEO, but I know you've come prepared with some teaching and some training with us. So I'm going to let you go for a few minutes just okay. to share what you have for us today. Yeah. Okay. So first step to approaching branding like a CEO is to understand it's not just the visuals. I know we touched on this a little bit earlier, but I'm going to un unpack that a little bit. The very, if you think of like your branding, like a pyramid, right? The mm -hmm. very bottom layer, the base of it is what I call your core brand, the intangible yeah. stuff, like your vision, your mission, your vibe, your ideal client, like what makes you different, all of that kind of stuff. And that's the part where you sit down and get intentional and strategic about figuring all that out. The next layer is the visual. So this is what people usually think of as branding. This is your logo, your colors, your fonts, your website, like all, all the things people see, right? Yeah. The layer after that, and this is where you come in, Kim, is the verbal. So this is all your copy, um, how you speak, how you write, everything that is in words is that layer. And sometimes people stop there. They don't realize that there's more to the branding period, but mm -hmm. there's actually yeah. two, two more layers. The next one after that is the experiential. So that is experience you actually provide to your clients or customers from onboarding or purchase through like troubleshooting, offboarding, like the actual delivery of your service, all of that, that is also part of your branding. And then the very tip top of the brand pyramid is reputation. So this is what yes. people think of you who have never worked directly with you. It's they'll look at reviews. It's just the feeling they get from your social media, like all that kind of thing, just indirect experience of you. So all of that together is your brand. So to really be intentional with building your business as you want as a CEO, you have to take into account all of those different layers and they build on one another. That's why I say start at the bottom with, you know, your core brand, figuring out what you want this business to be. And that'll help you shape all your other decisions. Yeah. Yeah. That is good stuff. That is good stuff. Okay. Let's go through those again. Let's dive a okay. little deeper. Okay. It's because you ride them off and I was like, Oh man, I can't write these down. <laughs> and it's one of those days where the menopause memory is just not working as well as it should today. So Okay. First layer is the intangible, your core brand. So okay. your goals and vision for the business, why you're even in this business, who you want to work with, what you want to stand for, how you're different, the vibe you want to give off, all those kind of core questions. Uh, and I'll talk a little bit later. I have a resource for people to help figure all that out if they need. That's always the first step. You need to figure all that out before you can start building anything else intentionally. So once you have an idea of that, especially like the vibe and what you're trying to communicate, that can help guide the next level, the visual. So that's everything you see. Again, like your logo, your color palette, your fonts, everything that you have designed, print, web, whatever, social media templates. Um, so, you know, the colors you choose should help convey some of the qualities or personality types that you want your business to give off, right? So, you know, if you are a fast, upbeat, urgent kind of business, you're not going to use like a calm blue <laughs> in your color palette. You're going to want like, you know, a bright red, punchy orange, something like that, you know, and that's kind of a surface level, level read of that. But like, that's part of what a designer's job is too, to help you match up those Inchangeable ideas with visuals that help communicate them. So I'm actually going to stop you there because 
and I actually had a color specialist on the show one day. Oh, yeah? Okay. And we spent the whole episode talking about colors and how people perceive colors and why psychology you is fabulous i love it <laughs> choose all these i loved the conversation because most people don't realize the effect that color has on you and the immediate subconscious thoughts that you have when you see specific colors and mm -hmm. there it's actually tied to emotion Mm -hmm. And culture, like some memories, cultures like, have different like meanings for for colors. It's it's fascinating. Like, yeah, we could. Yeah. I'm not surprised you've done a whole episode on that. Could, you I know, could like talk about in, that in Canada, too. the U.S., red and white are important colors. Mm -hmm. Now, you guys add blue to it. We just the red and white here in Canada. You guys <laughs> add blue, but as a Canadian, when you see red and white, yeah, that represents Canada. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah. So yes, color psychology is a huge part of picking, you know, colors for your brands or having a designer help you do that. Um, you also have to take, take into account, you know, the rest of your field. Like yes. you don't want to pick something that is exactly like what somebody else is doing. So there's some, you know, awareness you have to have as a CEO there to like, okay, what is my competition doing? What is the rest of my field doing? How can I stand out, but still convey what I want to convey? And then you get to the verbal level, and that's level number three. And this is mostly, you know, you hear this called like brand voice or brand tone or even brand personality sometimes. And this is about making sure the way you talk, the way you communicate, whether it's in emails, on your website, in social captions, um, on the phone, if you're answering phones, on calls, speaking appearances, you know, making sure that is all consistent um, with what you're trying to communicate about your brand. So if your brand is, you know, easygoing, friendly, approachable stuff, you don't want to use a lot of formal language, you know, you're not going to very uptight, like formal sir, madame kind of thing. Like it's just going to be a mismatch. So it's just having some awareness and intention with that level too. And I'm going to stop you there because I think it even goes beyond that. You know, one of the things that we work on in RTI publishing is how do you communicate what you do in such a way that it attracts your perfect target market? Now, you don't start with that. You've got to do all of those, those other layers. Now, maybe not the color layer. That doesn't affect <laughs> communication as much. But definitely that first layer that you talked about is crucial to have because how do you speak to your perfect target market if you don't know who they are? Mm -hmm. And but how think, can you convince them to choose you if you don't know what makes you different or what you offer or yeah. <laughs> what you stand for? Yeah. But when you have those things in place and then you communicate it, you know, whether it be on social media, whether it be on videos, whether it be speaking gigs, whether it be in your, your book, you know, when you have that effective message, you use it everywhere. Yeah. You use it at network meetings when you introduce <laughs> yourself. The funny thing is, is when, you know, I challenge some of my clients to be able to either explain their book or explain their business in less than a minute. That's surprisingly you know? hard sometimes. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, is you want to be able to answer three questions, right? Mm -hmm. Who do you serve? So that varies, you know, specific without getting too long. Who do you serve? You know, how do you serve them? How, what is your unique way of of serving people that brings transformation. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And then who who are you in relationship to those those first two, right? There's a reason why I call myself the extraordinary word ninja. It, yes. It's actually part of the branding. It's part of my personal branding as the CEO of RTI Publishing. Yeah, you know, I can say I'm a word ninja. I have personally written over 150 books and worked on over 200. I am a word ninja, <laughs> and it's fun. <laughs> It's so see that helps convey some of your personality, some of what people can expect working with you. So it's doing its job. <laughs> okay, so we've got a couple of more layers there and we got a couple more minutes left. Yeah, so we had intangible, visual, verbal. Next one is experiential. So again, this is the actual experience you provide to clients. And this is basically making sure that the experience you provide lives up to the expectations you set up with all those other layers. Like if one of the things you want to be known for and that's important to you is high quality work or reliability or something like that, you need to deliver on it. You need to keep that brand promise, right? Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, everybody from people who are actually paying clients to sales calls that don't end up booking to people you meet at networking events like the experience people have with your brand directly should help support all of the things you want your brand to stand for and communicate. And even, you know, after for paid clients, after the project is done, how, how, how do you maintain that relationship with your brand? Like what do you do after that, that supports your brand vision and your brand promise? And I think sometimes people don't necessarily think about that. They'd think about it. Like, okay. Sign them, do the thing mm-hmm. done. But it, it's more comprehensive than that. It lasts yes. longer than that. And then the last, the pyramid is or is reputational. And this one, you don't really have any direct control over. But if you've got that clear core brand, you've built yes. out your visuals and your verbals to support that, and you provide a good experience with all other four layers, then your reputation will take care of itself. Like you'll build a reputation that you want, that True. you're proud of, that is accurate to what you're trying to build. Uh, yeah. And one more note on that is if for some reason you do get a bad review or a bad press coverage or something, how you respond to that is also part of your brand. So you yes. want to make sure any response you have to, you know, things that come up is still in line with what you're trying to build. I so. couldn't agree with you more. And sometimes the best way to deal with a negative review is not to deal with it at all. Yeah. I mean, Again, this comes back to having some self-awareness as a CEO. Like, is there any merit to this critique? If not, you know, ignore it. Go anyway. If there is, then address it or fix it or whatever. But, you know, there's there's some things that just happen, you know, like packages get lost in the mail, electricity or internet is down or whatever. You know, things happen. And sometimes people are just cranky. So, like, maybe it's not anything you or your business actually did. But, you know, kind of weigh it with some heaters. Yeah. And, you know, haters will actively promote against you. And I've learned that with haters, don't play their game. They want you to react. Oh, they yeah. They're trying to, to get something. Out of you. Yeah. Because they're better at this than you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, and like, don't, don't engage with the level of stupidity. They'll, they'll beat you at their own game. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> I love that. I've never heard that said that way before. Love it. Love it. Say that again, because I think I was. Oh, I, I, I don't think I'm saying it right. It's like something like don't don't engage with 
with stupid at their level because they'll they'll beat you with more experience or something, something like something along those lines. I have to look up things quote, but yeah. Amanda, I have loved today's kind conversation. We have time for you to give one final thought, and then if people have enjoyed this conversation, how can they connect with you? Yeah. So my one final thought is if you do nothing else for your business, stop, pause, take the time to figure out your core brand. Uh, all those questions we've talked about <laughs> several times during this episode, those intangibles, the things that guide you, take the time to get clear on those, write them down somewhere, get them out of your head and on paper. Um, you'll find that so useful as an exercise, I think. Uh, I do have a resource that helps with that. It's a free download called Branding Brainstorm. As basically all the questions I walk my clients through in the brand strategy phase. Um, you just go to studiogracio slash branding dash brainstorm um, and you can get it there. Otherwise, you can find me on LinkedIn. That's where I play around most days, um, social media wise. Uh, and then my website, of course, is a great way to get in touch with me too. Awesome. Thank you so much, Amanda. If you've enjoyed today's video, I highly suggest you go back, scan back a bit, a few episodes to episode 434, how you can use a brand video to build trust. If you are on YouTube, you will see the thumbnail here somewhere that you can click on. If you're on your podcast app, just, you know, take the finger and just move it back a bit. And that video will build on what you have learned today. Audience, thank you so much for listening. And we will see you on the very next episode. Bye now. You've been listening to the Author to Authority Podcast. The extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder, has helped over 200 entrepreneurs, professionals, speakers, and coaches write and publish their books that have become incredible marketing tools for their business. And many of those have gone on to become Amazon best-selling authors and have used their books to land high-level clients and get on big stages. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at www.author2authoritypodcast.com. See you next time.